Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A national university education is all about opportunity. Named a Money Magazine Best Value College with over 100 degree programs online or on campus and one course per month classes. You can get started sooner and finish faster and begin leaving your mark on the world. National University. Visit nu.edu to learn more and get started. For SEN America, this is the SEN NFL Podcast. Hello and welcome to the SEN NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Garraway. Not sitting across the desk from me, because as you can tell, I'm on the phone, is my co-host, James Arthur. G'day, mate. Hello, Richie. Sorry I couldn't be there, mate. I'm very, very disappointed. You missed an incredible interview with, I'm now calling him SEN America's own Tom Hackett. I mean the fort. It was all right. Chris jumped on. He's, he's on the mic now, Richie. I can't get him off. We <laughs> didn't go to crap because I was here to pick up the pieces when Richard left us to, uh, <laughs> to, to squabble in our own filth. I was, I was very disappointed I missed out on that one. But today we'll get into the newsroom. As the boys mentioned, we have a fantastic interview with two-time Ray Guy Award winner Tom Hackett. And of course, we'll finish off J.A.'s mock draft. We've got pick 16 down through to only 31 because the Patriots don't have their pick. Suckers. It's our 40th episode. Boys, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy bu- oh, it's we full. made it. Happy birthday. I thought SM would have cut this by now. Well, they've cut all the funding. But we still do it. They never had any funding to we cut. We have to be in here at midnight so no one knows that we're here. We're in the dark. We don't have any lights. Yeah, well, sneak you know in, what? We're still the best. We have to whisper sometimes because some people walk past and we're not allowed to be here. Well, I met Andy Marr before and he really liked me because I said the Patriots um, have done really well in the free agency. So we're, oh, we're, that, we're mates. I'm that bombshell. Let's get over the newsroom. It's time to go into the newsroom on the SEN NFL podcast. Where do you want to start, J.A.? Kaepernick? Yeah, we'll start on the Kaepernick. Uh, basically, there is a deal done with the Denver Broncos to send Kaepernick to the... Uh, sorry, send Kaepernick to the Broncos from the 49ers. Uh, but the only thing stopping it is that Elway wants him to take a pay cut... Right now, he's guaranteed just short of $12 million, and the Broncos want to pay him around $7 million. What's your thoughts, Richie? Should he take the pay cut to get the deal done? Uh, if he really dislikes playing in San Francisco, which is what we're led to believe, he's made, what, $30 million so far in his career? Something like that. Well, you got to remember, the first three years of his, of his career, he was on a terrible... You know, he was only a second-round pick, so he wasn't earning millions and millions, and he didn't get paid a lot last year because his new deal is the first year was so ba- was so incentive-based. Twelve million for a starting quarterback, which is I'm assuming what Denver want to do with him, isn't a lot of money. So I don't really understand why he should take the pay cut. My understanding is the Broncos don't have enough salary cap to sign him to that and bring their draft class in. 
well, then that's something they're going to have to work out. Because if I was Kaepernick, I certainly wouldn't be taking a $5 million. You know, it's almost half of that money he's, he's going to be taking. I wouldn't be taking that sort of a pay cut. Yeah, I, I can hear where you're coming from, but I'd rather be at the Broncos, wouldn't you? Absolutely, I would. But at the end of the day... Does he take? Does he? Does he? Does he suck eggs for a season with the Forty ers or maybe force their hand to cut him? And you know he can go to any team he wants. Then, look, what annoys me is that these owners and GMs they sign these deals and sign these guys to deals, and as soon as it's no longer convenient for them, it's oh well, take a pay cut, do this, do that. It's not how it works. He got that deal. He did them a favor signing that incentive-based deal. It was incredibly team-friendly. His team is terrible, and it was last season. He was not the biggest problem with the 49ers. He had no talent around him, and he had a bad year because of it. He was benched for Blaine Gabbert, which is outright disrespectful. If I was him, I would make it as hard as possible for the 49ers to trade me. And you know, worst-case scenario, he sits on the bench and collects his $12 million. They cut him the end of the season, and he has no lesser value. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree because it's not like his value is sky high right now. Exactly. So, it's, probably, it's as low as it's ever been. Yep. And the 49ers have accepted that they're going to pay this money in full. Otherwise, they would have cut him before the contract became guaranteed a few weeks ago. Exactly. So, yeah. in, in my opinion, the 49ers have tried to be cheeky with it. They've let it get to guaranteed because they want to try and get some value from him from a trade. And it's backfired on them. He has all the power right now because... They want him to take a pay cut. Now, what could happen is maybe the 49ers say, look, we'll pay you the $5 million and they can pay you the seven just to get the deal done. But he's not going to meet in the middle, and nor should he. He signed that contract. Now, now the other people have to honor it. If it was the other way around and they wanted to cut him and there was no guaranteed money, he would get nothing. So fair's fair, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Staying in the Bay Area, Alden Smith signs a two-year deal with the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, really good deal, worth potentially nine million. It'll be it'll be prorated. He's going to miss the first eight games of next season, so it'll be worth. He'll lose some money because of that. A lot of incentive based, but I think a really good signing for Alden and a really good signing for the Raiders. You pair him with Khalil Mack and um, and Bruce Irvin. That that that's a that's a pretty good defensive line. Obviously, he's had some off field issues. How do you think he's going to go um, with those in the future? You think he's continue going to drive his you know his professional life down the toilet or is he going to get a bit more like Pac-Man Jones who sorted him stuff he sorted his stuff out to become a, a pretty valuable football player yeah look, I think the difference with with Alden Smith and a lot of other guys is that he was only harming himself and that was the same with, with Pac-Man Jones as well he just couldn't keep himself in in line I think he's real it was all, over a year ago since that all, all that stuff happened with him so I think he may have learned his lesson. He played really well for them last year until he was suspended. So he was suspended week eight last year for a full season, which means he's going to miss he missed last eight games and he'll miss the first eight games. He was playing really well. He's kept his nose out of trouble the entire time he's been suspended. Obviously, time will tell with a guy like that, but I certainly hope he gets his career back on track because when he is playing, he is an exceptional football player. And I think the Oakland Raiders have done a good thing giving a guy an olive branch and hopefully he takes it and runs with it. And certainly he's got you know, every opportunity to, to, to do that. Um, yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, he's going to have to sit out eight games, but it looks like the Raiders, you know, they want to have him around. 
Yeah, and as, as they should. I, I said, a guy with that much talent, and when, when it all came out, he was called All Done Smith, and people saying he was never going to play again. I personally think the 49ers should have never cut him. I think they probably should have stood by him. They ended up cutting him. The Raiders basically immediately signed him. And since then, nothing's gone wrong. So maybe Oakland have have a way of of helping him. Maybe moving to Oakland has helped him avoid some situations that were getting him in trouble in the past. But all in all, I think with the money they're paying him, it's a great deal for Oakland. And, you know, it's a two-year deal for him. So he doesn't have to stress about anything for the next two years because it's it's relatively no guaranteed money. It's all incentive-based. So all he has to do is play football and get his life in order. Yep. Speaking of people who need to get their life in order... Greg Hardy had a sit-down with ESPN's Adam Schefter to discuss, you know, his last year or so. And quite frankly, from the quotes I've seen, Jay, he made himself look like just a moron. I'll start with, I have never put my hand on any women in my whole entire life. No, sir, that's not how we're raised. As you can tell, like I said again, it's the Bible Belt. It's just something that's, I wouldn't even say frowned upon just something that's non-existent in most Southern homes. What a load of crap. Yeah, it's embarrassing. He would be in jail if it wasn't for... So, people who don't know, he was arrested on charges on on, on, an assault of a female and communicating threats. Basically, what he did was beat the crap out of his girlfriend, throw her on a bed with a bunch of loaded guns, and tell her to pick which gun he was going to kill her with. That's the long and the short of it. He was found guilty in July 2014 and requested a jury trial later that year. In February 2015, prosecutors dismissed the case because they could no longer find his former girlfriend, Nicole Holder, to basically say what had happened. So everything was thrown out. He's saying, I'm an innocent man. I've been proven not guilty. That's not true at all. You weren't proven not guilty. You got away with it. Yeah, you were found guilty, but you were actually found. Yeah, and look, this makes him look so bad, and I really don't think he'll be on a team next season. I think this is career done. And you know what? I think NFL teams probably would have forgiven the off-field stuff because the Cowboys had, but because he was such a bad locker room guy last yep. year, that now they're like, well, if we have to forgive that as well, no, nah, that's like bringing even more poison into the locker room, and we're not going to have it. Exactly, and as a Cowboys fan, when they signed him last year, I wasn't against the signing. He's obviously a quality player and played pretty well last year for a guy coming off a season not playing. He was he was a pretty good player, but and I said I, you know, although what he did it was disgusting, and he'll never be forgiven for that. People do deserve second chances, and it happens in the NFL a lot. But the way he behaved, the way he handled himself, you know, there's all the comments he made about. Giselle coming to watch the game when he first came back because he wanted to see Giselle and wanted to see her sister. And he's just obviously has no respect for women whatsoever and doesn't do anything to hide it, nor does he show any remorse for anything he's done. And it it just starts to really wear on people. Yeah, I think the league's better off without him, quite frankly. Absolutely. Um, turning to the NFL's head office, Roger Goodell states that the playoff will most likely be expanded soon when soon will be. We're not quite sure. But the possibility of adding an extra wildcard team to each conference. James, I don't know if I like this. Neither do I. I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same. Having only the two wildcards for each conference, it kind of created a lot of excitement last year. Like You think about it, the last year, if they'd had an extra team, the Jets would have made it 
and then that last round would have meant nothing. So Buffalo beating the Jets in the last round would have meant nothing. Um, and that storyline was fantastic because obviously it was um, Rexy going back into New York and beating his former team to knock him out of the playoffs. Yeah, it was great. So And that was a great storyline. In saying that, though, you've got the New York Jets who went 10-6. and six. If you win 10 games, you probably deserve to make the playoffs. But on the other hand, in, in the other division, you'd have... Uh, Atlanta making it at eight and eight. Like, I just don't. I don't see the point of it, to be honest. Well, the the answer to all your questions, James. Money. <laughs> There's no other reason. That's the point. Um, I, I'm. I must be. I'm with you. I don't. This doesn't excite me. I'm not excited for an extra playoff game. I like the fact that it's it's hard to make the playoffs and. Not that many get to make it when you look at the 32 teams in the league. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think you should be rewarded. Yeah, the players should be a reward, not... You know, the one thing I really dislike about the AFL and the NRL is up until recently, the AFL had more teams make it than miss out. And yep. the NRL was the same. You shouldn't have half the league making the playoffs. That's ridiculous. Oh, if you add another team to the... If you add another wild card, you've got 14 teams making it, which is... Is almost half. I, I look. It'll happen because money's money, and that's the bottom line. But and it will just mean that the only the top seed will get a buy. But you're gonna have, you know, this year it would have been the Cincinnati Bengals playing the New York Jets. Now without Andy Dalton, it might have been an okay game. But you would have had in in, in the other conference, you would have had. Bear with me. The Arizona Cardinals playing Atlanta. Like, it would have been a bloodbath. They'd beaten them 40-zip a few weeks earlier. So, I just don't see the... Obviously, money is the is the biggest result here, but I don't see the point of it. As a fan, you know, more, more football the better, but kind of once it comes playoffs, you just want to see the best teams. And if that means the Jets missing out at 10-6 and 6, and, you know, a team missing out at 10-6 and 6 every now and again, then th- that's life, unfortunately. Yeah, I must admit, I agree with you. The last thing I want to touch on before we get, touch on, sorry, before we get to the newsroom, is a story I saw today that uh, Twitter's going to be live streaming the Thursday night game. Did you catch this one? I did, and then there's not much information on NFL.com just for a surprise, but I did see a few tweets about it, ironically, and I thought I think so. Yeah, basically, it, it is what it is. They're going to stream games on Twitter. So does that mean I guess anyone who has Twitter has access to games? Yeah, my question is, how much did they pay for this? I don't know, but imagine how many people they're going to gain from having this. How many people are going to sign up for Twitter purely to watch Thursday night football games? I think it was about a million dollars per game or something like that, so nothing compared to what CBS are giving. Well, they play, yeah, you've got roughly 16 million for games, plus there's a couple of extra on Thanksgiving. So, yeah, probably 19, 20 million dollars. It's only Thursday night games, though. Yeah, they play one every week, though. So, yeah, well, that's, it's interesting. It's probably worth the money, I'd say, for Twitter. And as I think you rightly pointed out, James, it's going to equal in um, new sign-ups for Twitter, and who knows, then you might discover you like it and you stay on and you keep using it. Yeah, exactly, and that's what it's all about. It's all, it's, it's all an advertising um, r- routine for Twitter, and, you know, it's exciting. Like, I, I have League Pass, and I know you have League Pass as well, so it doesn't really affect me too much, but a lot of the people that, you know, don't have that or can't afford that, it just gives them another avenue to watch football. Yep, which is never a bad thing. Coming up next, we've got the two-time Ray Guy Award winner, Tom Hackett, punter from Utah. <laughs> 
Joining us now, all the way over from Utah, the back-to-back Ray Guy Award winner, Tom Hackett. How are you, mate? I'm going well, boys. How are you, how are you guys going? Uh, we can't complain. Our life isn't nearly as exciting as you because we're not possibly about to get drafted. <laughs> well, I beg to differ. <laughs> Being modest already, how good's that? Look, but before we get into anything too technical, I have to ask you a story about your car being stolen. Richie, who couldn't couldn't join us for the interview today, said I had to ask you this story. Can you give us a little bit of insight into it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, let you know what happened. So we had a, it was a Monday morning, I forget the date, but um, myself and my roommate, Isaac, who plays O-Lineman here, um, we went out at about 6.30 in the morning to head to Monday film, which, which we do uh, early in the morning. And um, I drove my car and, and parked across the street. Um, I live in a residential neighborhood. It's not very busy. Um, at about 10.30 the night before, and when we walked out at 6.30, it was gone. Um, so I thought that was strange. I didn't know if, uh, you know, someone had just taken my keys and, and took it off, but then I realized my keys were in my pocket. And um, so I figured it probably been stolen. I called the police and let them know about it, and they called the Cohen truck companies, and it, it wasn't in any yard. So um, I was sitting at breakfast that morning, and the backup on a Chris says, mate, I've had three three cars stolen in the past 10 years, and and if I was you, I'd, I'd just put a tweet out to see if anyone's seen it or or just to have a look for it. Um, and so I did that, and, you know, in, in a blink of an eye, it kind of blew up on social media, and then next thing I know, uh, that afternoon, I... I uh, got a phone call from uh, the media lady here at Utah and I asked to do like a press conference thing and, um, you know, it made the news the next night. And long story short, I guess, you know, 48 hours went by. There was a spotting um, the day that I figured it, it, it'd been lost on the Monday. Someone's seen it just a uh, couple couple k's up the road and had some ski racks on it. or not ski racks, uh, some, some skis on it. And they thought they were just going taking it up the mountain for for a nice ski day. Um, and yeah, it got found 48 hours later, about one and a half miles up the road, just passed, and uh, no damage. The ignition was broken, and well, the ignition was broken. He started it with like a little uh, like what looked like nail clipping scissors. I don't know if you've seen them, real thin scissors, and yeah, uh, that uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of that got stuck in the. Uh, in the ignition, so yeah, he kind of beat it up a bit, but he left me a few presents, a few uh, a few cigarette butts, and uh, a pair of snow boots, actually. <laughs> so I would say getting a free pair of snow boots, you've come up in front. Did anything get taken from the car? Um, yes. Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate to say uh, <laughs> on radio. Well, this is but, a podcast, um, so that's a bit different. <laughs> Okay, well, long story short, there's a tradition here at Utah that um, no one really knows about, so I probably shouldn't be telling anyone, but um, let's just say a, a large bundle of magazines, um, <laughs> I won't say what magazines in particular, uh, the starting punter actually has to hold them, you know, have them on him while he pumps it at the University of Utah, and... Um, my girlfriend wasn't too fond of them, so I left them in the in the boot of my car, you know, like in a 
no problem here. They're in the boot of my car. Nothing's going on. And unfortunately, um, they were they were missing. But <laughs> now we know why um, you, they actually stole it in the first place. <laughs> they saw you put it in there. Yeah, he probably put a bloody torch in the boot and saw what was going on and said, "I've got to get my hands on that." <laughs> but luckily, about a about a week prior to that, I took about ten of them and put them in the dunny downstairs just for the boys to enjoy. So I've still got ten of them. Um, so not all was lost. The other hunt. Yeah, the other hundred or so, um, they are well gone. A hundred? Who uses magazines anymore? That's ridiculous. Who, who would legitimately nick those? That sounds ridiculous. Utah, obviously. <laughs> People at Utah. Well, I think the tradition's been going on for like 20 or so years. You know, With the same magazines or different while. magazines? So is, is this the end of... No, no, no. You, get, you have to add to the collection. Oh, right. <laughs> the idea just that... So it just adds and adds on. So some of them, I mean, yeah, they were, they were outdated, but um, yeah, they were in the boot of my car. So I, I can't say I know every page that's been on in them, but... <laughs> of course yeah. not. Of well, course that, not. that story just got better and better, Tom, <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Now, I, I, I have think, to... S- well, I didn't s- tell anyone else but you guys, because I think Utah media probably would think very differently of me. But. <laughs> well, lucky for you, no one listens to our podcast anyway, so it's all right. Yeah, well, my <laughs> mum, Richie's mum, and Chris's mum will really enjoy that story. <laughs> And Chappie, we know Chappie's listening as well. Oh, Chappie, Chappie always, always listens. listens. And that, well, speaking of Chappie, you obviously came through the pro kick system. You must have a pretty good relationship with Chappie and and all the other boys. Do they call you for advice? And do you guys hang out together and that kind of stuff? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, it's tricky being. Uh, I guess this has really been the first couple of months where. You know, I haven't had to wake up at 6.30 go run with the team or or right now they're in the middle of spring ball. I don't have to practice or, or work out at a certain time. So Does that mean you sleep you know, until midday? To, well, I'm meant to have class at 10.45, <laughs> so on the days that I choose not to go, yeah. Um, <laughs> I try and get up before then. So I do, I do uh, you know, speak to the boys through a phone call or, or, uh, or a message here and there, a text message, but... Uh, the only real real time I, I I hang out with him is when I come home or um or Chappie comes out, you know, during the summertime out here and he does his little his little trip before the season starts, we all kinda of get together then. But me and Chappie FaceTime or phone call, whatever the case may be, probably once every second day, you know, I like to make sure the old man's heart's still pumping and all that. <laughs> Fair enough. I understand that. So he obviously is um, – you, you would have spoken to him quite a bit throughout the uh, the draft process. What have you been talking to him about and what sort of stuff have you actually been doing throughout the last couple of weeks in order to uh, get prepared for the draft? Um, so I guess before the past couple of weeks, he came out here the week before the combine, which was a couple months ago now. So my agent was able to fly him out. Los Angeles and uh, and we met up at USC and, and worked together for a week prior to that um, and then obviously I jetted off to Indianapolis when he jetted off back to Melbourne um, and then in between that process it's, you know, I, I, I try not to kind of pick at my agent's brain or Chappie's brain about who he's talking to or um, what he's reading online or who he's spoken to and all that so um I try and keep it pretty wide open. If my agent calls me, I'll obviously pick up the phone and see what he has to say. But I can't say I've ever called 
Chappie or my agent to 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 you know hear the hear the gossip on what they're hearing because uh, I just don't I just don't think that'll do anything for me. It'll only get me you know more excited than I need to be. And teams you, you never know what teams are thinking or, or who they've got on their draft boards really until draft day. So that's how I've been playing it anyway. Yeah, look, well, I'm going to ask you a question. I, I wanted to ask Jalen Ramsey this question, but unfortunately he won't respond to any of my tweets. Um, but he has answered on All ESPN right. along with every other player. Are you the best player in the draft? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I think you're the best punter in the draft. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, that's a tricky question. Um. <laughs> You like to think so. You don't have to be you modest, mate. Back to back Ray Guy Awards. It's a pretty it's a pretty well, self explanatory. Like, I would like to think so. Yeah, well, I'd I'd, like I'd think definitely so, think you are. From what from all the footage I've but, watched um, and I did watch your pro day the other day and I thought you you kicked the ball pretty well. Thank you. Did did you feel yeah, good after yeah. that? You Do know, you think that helps? Yeah, no, I was I was stoked with how that workout went and um you know I did I did everything I was asked to do, and I thought, um, you know, I know my limitations and and how I punt the ball, and if I miss it a punt, I know what it's meant to look like as opposed to not meant to look like, and and my miss hits were still good, and and, and that's the bottom line because you're uh, you know you're not going to be a perfect punter, you're not going to turn every spiral over, um, so if your miss hits can be, you know, uh, good enough for for the return team to not have to run across the other side of the field to cover, then then you should be fine. And and that's what I tell teams, and that's what I base my punting off. So um, that's what I did on um, on Pro Day. So from the way you're conducting yourself in this interview, it probably is relatively certain that you're not going to pull a, I think it was Geno Smith or Teddy Bridgewater who sacked their uh, manager because they didn't make the first round. I assume you're not going to make that sort of same brash uh, reaction if you don't make the first round, Tommy? No, 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 no. Um, you know, even if I don't go get drafted, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sack the poor fella. So, um, the way I see agents working, uh, they can't really do much for you until you reach your second contract agreement. To be honest with you. Now, along with punting, you also have to uh, meet up with a lot of teams and uh, have face-to-face Q and As. What are some of the questions that these guys ask you? Is it, is it kind of a bit out there. We've heard some uh, examples in the past, and some of them are just kind of just designed to to put the player off a little bit and to kind of get him thinking on the spot. Was there any sort of situation that you found yourself in where you didn't know how to respond to a certain question, or that a question came up and you were kind of just wondering what the hell you were going to say? Um, yes and no. I think um, I didn't really get asked any super abnormal questions. There was a couple questions where. Um, you know, they'd, they'd say, you know, your long snapper throughout the course of your career was super sporadic. He didn't, he's not a very good long snapper or something. And and I think Chase is, is as good as it comes. You know, he's had, he worked out with NFL punters back in California when he goes home and they tell him that when he comes out of college, they're going to tell his special teams coach to get him on their roster. And so um, there was another one where they said, when you're holding the football, you very rarely spin the laces so that they're facing the field goal. And so I, I disagreed with both those comments, and I just told them, um, I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't agree. I you told them to get stuffed, didn't you? <laughs> well, I didn't you know, tell them to get stuffed, essentially. I just politely told them, you're wrong. 
<laughs> now, the, the the other thing, speaking of things that, that uh, NFL got wrong, I'm looking at your combine report right now, and you're coming in at 5'10", but apparently, according to your Twitter account, you don't agree with that height. Well, I, you know, I yeah, I had a, I was speaking to Chappie, and I was telling him how I thought they'd give me on about an inch there, but I guess, uh, you know, I probably got measured at 5'11 and 3 quarters back when I had um, a shaggy hairdo and a little bit more hair on, on the top of my, my head, so... Um, I was a bit peaked when they shouted out five, ten, and three quarters in the middle of that meet, but um, nothing I can do about it now, I guess. So we will uh, finish up with you shortly. But uh, what's what's the process over the next couple of weeks? Up until now, from now until the draft, what what do you have to do? What's the process? Um, so uh, the month of April, I, I've been told this is you know kind of where teams start to get together with their player personnel group, their general manager and their head coach, and they all sit down and, and analyze everyone that they're interested in and kind of rate them um, both in, in the position that they play as well as where they think, you know, their draft stock lies. So, um, you know, I might get a couple of more workouts here and there, but um, but I think it quietens down a bit as it, as it starts to get towards the pointy end and, and, they probably won't tell me much regarding how those meetings go or where they're going to draft me or if they're going to draft me at all, for that matter. Um, so you kind of just play it day by day. Like I said, you, you know, wake up, I go to class on the days that I've got to go to class, and I, sh- I get a workout in and a pump in the time off and um, and just try to keep myself out of trouble. You know, it's uh, it's it's hard not to think about what's coming up, but... There's really nothing you can do about it. So you try and enjoy the spare time that you have now because in a month's time, um, I might be chockers. And look, the last question we'll ask you today, what's your gut feeling? Do you think you'll get drafted from what you've heard? Obviously, the NFL Combine, um, the, the report on you is that you're the out-and-out best punter in the coming into the draft. You've won two Ray Guy Awards, which only one other player has ever done. What's your gut feeling about it at the moment? Um, if I'm 100% honest with you, I'm, I'm sitting right on the fence. I, you know, coming into the whole process, I thought there's no chance in hell. Um, and as the months have gone by and the workouts have kind of dwindled before me, I, I start to feel a little more confident that maybe I'm a shot. So, um, you know, people, people tell me, oh, you're a projected fourth round pick. I, I don't think so. Um, if I go, it's going to be late. So uh, seventh round undrafted free agent, you know, that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. So I, I really don't care, to be honest with you. I, I just want to, it, it doesn't really matter how I end up on a 53-man roster. The, the goal is just to do that somehow. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Tom, thank you very much for joining us today. We know you're a busy guy, and we do really, really appreciate it. You know, we're always rooting for the Australian punters, and I did just buy a Punters of People 2 t-shirt to, to, to promote you. So best of luck in the upcoming draft, and hopefully we can interview you afterwards when you're on an NFL team. No worries, boys. Um, just let me know if there's anything else that I can do for you. you got my phone number, sir. You're always good to us, Tommy. Have a good one, buddy. All 
Now, as we turn our attention back to James, his 2016 NFL mock draft, the pick one to Tennessee with Jeremy Tunsil, if you remember from last week. But we're picking it up from pick 16, which is Detroit. James, who have you got them looking at? Look, I think they're going to take A. Sean Robinson, D-tackle Alabama. Um, he's a perfect size for a three technique. He plays a run with power. He's got great length. Not the quickest to lo- to close and tackle, but it is adequate. Um, pass rushing, he uses moves with strong hands and quickness. He beats undersized guards and centers comfortably with power. Um, look, whether he can beat the NFL-level linemen as easily, time will tell. Um, effort can be a problem. He doesn't play with the highest motor. I that's think about if what I was going to say, James. That, that's the thing that jumps out at me. He, he doesn't give 100% effort on every play. Is that, a, is that a big concern to go that high? It's a concern if you have poor coaching. I think Detroit have done a fantastic job of molding defensive tackles. You look, and you've got Nick Fairley, obviously, and Dharma Kinsu. They've done a great job previously. I think they can get him into that system, and that's why I think they'll like him because they can see all the raw traits they need for that dominant three technique. He can learn behind a guy like Halodi Nada for a couple of, you know, for a season or two, and maybe develop into one of the premier D tackles in the NFL. Okay, pick 17, the Atlanta Falcons. Where have you got them looking? Corey Coleman, wide receiver out of Baylor. He's not the biggest guy, but he plays with toughness and speed. He does his best work on deep routes and has absolute elite speed. The NFL corners will have a tough time. High points the ball well, takes down tough catches. If he gets into the open field, he's incredibly tough to tackle. Uh, He needs to work on his repertoire of routes, but playing opposite of Julio Jones will really help him. He'll draw a lot of single coverage and be able to create big, big plays downfield. I think that'd be a huge help for Atlanta. The other option is they could have gone, if they're looking at wide receiver, they could have gone Laquan Treadwell there out of Old Miss. Yeah, he is coming. The reason he, he missed here is because I wanted a speed guy for them. I wanted a guy who can stretch the field, and Treadwell's more of a, a route-running type receiver. Pick 18, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, i got Jack Conklin, O-tackle, Michigan State. He is exactly what you, play, what you want to play right tackle. He's big, mean, and tough. Great size and strength. He moves players off the ball with power um, when lined up heads up and blows players on slant blocks. His pass pro is his pass pro footwork quickness can be a problem. He gets beaten by quicker defensive ends. That's why he'd suit the right tackle spot. He has good technique and always places his hands inside. Basically, it's about time the Colts get Andrew Lux and protection. Laramie Tunsil is not going to be here. This is the best option for them. That's what I was going to say as well. They have got to fix that O-line. I don't think they can go best player available there. I think they have to go O-line. Absolutely, they do. Um, my next pick is another guy who Indianapolis could take. Pick number 19 for Buffalo, Taylor Decker, another offensive tackle from Ohio State. He's very similar to Conklin. He's got a nasty demeanor and blocks with a chip on his shoulder. He's very tough. He's slow off the snap, but makes up for it with great effort and, and, and tenacity. Will not he will not come in and dominate from the get-go with some good coaching and development. He could be a really above-average starting right tackle. He's too big, too smart, and mean not to take a chance on here for uh, for Buffalo. I think those two guys will be picked, either of them, in those two spots are pretty good. Pick 20, the New York Jets. I have Kevin Dodd, defensive end slash outside linebacker out of Clemson. He's a twitched-up, fast edge rusher. He makes plays by shooting gaps against the run, makes it very tough for road tackles to get hands on him. He is an excellent pass rusher that can use his hands, and he can also bend and wrap the edge, which means he can he can speed rush. 
Um, he looks like the complete package of speed, length, and size, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. He only started one year for Clemson, but in that year, he was incredible. Pick 21, Washington. I have them taking... This is purely uh, a need pick. I have them taking Ryan Kelly, the center out of Alabama, three-year starter on the most dominant college team. Kelly has all the tools. He's smart, tough, and strong. Uh, he can come in and be a day-one starter. He has a high ceiling, and his floor isn't low at all. The Redskins need to solidify this offensive line for Kirk Cousins. Um, he's a great place to start for them, and I think one of the safest picks in the draft. As much as that's probably true, do you really think they'll take a center this high? Well, do you remember when the Cowboys did it three years ago or two years ago and everyone laughed at them and he's turned out to be the best center in the NFL? It works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying a lot of teams don't have the guts. Pick 22, Houston. Uh, your man, Laquan Treadwell, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. He's big, he's strong, he's super competitive. He does lack the top-line speed, but he's a terrific route runner, plays the ball high with strong hands. I think putting him opposite DeAndre Hopkins could create a real mismatch. Um, basically, you're going to decide who, who who you double cover. They need to get Brock Osweiler as many weapons as possible after paying him that kind of money. Absolutely. I reckon he would be awesome opposite Hopkins because Hopkins is, is quicker and probably a smoother route runner. Yeah, but um, this guy can just be a big, strong guy, in the, especially in the red zone. Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more. Pick 22, Minnesota. I have Will Fuller, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame. You can see there's a run going on wide receivers right now. Um, the Vikings need speed. It, it, that's that's pure and simple. They need to find out whether Bridgewater can get the ball downfield. Fuller has elite speed. He had he ran the fastest 40 out of anyone at the Combine. Um, his route running's not great, but he can knows how to run deep. He knows how to run digs, and he knows how to run um, run curls. If you have defenses having to stack the box to stop Adrian Peterson, this guy is a perfect example. He could be what Kadaro Patterson wasn't for them. Number pick 24, sorry, to Cincinnati. That's okay. Uh, I have them taking... Now, this is a bit of a... I don't know what kind of a pick this is, but it's Braxton it's Miller, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Basically, they need to replace Mohamed Sanu, who has been incredibly important in that offense. Miller is the exact player to do that. He was a starting quarterback, and then he successfully moved to wide receiver. He's best suited in the slot where he can outrun defenders with quickness. Um, if he gets into space, he's electric. He breaks tackles with power. He breaks them with agility. He is a really, really good fit for the Bengals who can use him in that Sanu role as a running back, wide receiver, and some gadgety sort of plays at quarterback as well. I'd almost bet you anything that that pick doesn't happen there. Look, I said... Uh, I know it's a long shot, but when I look at... And like they might back that he'll be there in the second round, but I don't think he lasts 32 picks from there. And that's the bottom line. They might just bite the you know, bite the bullet and do it there. Pick 25, Pittsburgh Steelers. Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback out of Clemson. Um, he's ideally suited as a nickel corner. He's a fluid runner and displays great toughness. He was rarely challenged in games. He actually had zero interceptions in his career at college, so it's hard to assess how he plays the ball. Um, very good tackler in space and super aggressive. I don't, at this point, Pittsburgh are desperate for a corner. I think this is really the only good guy to take at this point. Pick 26, the Seattle Seahawks. I have them taking Sheldon Rankin's D tackle out of Louisville. Um, he's. The, probably one of the most complete defensive linemen in the draft. 
He's super quick off the ball, great leg strength, which makes him a very good run stopper, plays with excellent effort, and he's prone to making big plays. He has the versatility to play three tech and defensive end, which which fits um, Pete Carroll's hybrid system. He loves guys that can rotate around the defensive line. Yep, yeah, I really like that one as, as well. I think Rankins could be a really, really good player. He, he could go much earlier. It just depends how another team assesses him. Pick 27 will be the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they take Josh Perry, middle linebacker out of Ohio State. Um, the perfect way to describe this guy is a slammer. He plays downhill against the run. He can square up the running back with ease. One of the best tacklers in college football over the last three years. Uh, he's not the greatest in pass coverage, but can handle tight ends and running backs that don't have that elite speed. Overall, he's a super reliable player and could start at middle linebacker, which allows them to move Clay Matthews back to that pass rushing role. Pick 28 with the Kansas City Chiefs. I have them taking Kyler Fackrell, OLB, Utah State. Uh, he's a perfect fit for the Chiefs. He dominates tight ends in the run game. He's quick and powerful with his hands. Has great backside pursuit, chasing down runs to the opposite side. He's extremely versatile in the passing game. He can drop into coverage very well, and is also an elite pass rusher. With Justin Houston most likely going to miss the whole all of next season, he's just had surgery. They need a guy to come in. Tamba Harley's getting older. Uh, they did get D Ford last year, who's proved to be a good player, but this defense is built around those outside linebackers. I think he's a great fit for them there. Uh, we've got pick 29, which is Arizona. I have them taking Shaq Lawson out of Clemson. This is a guy who a lot of guys have him high. A lot of guys don't rate him that well. I, you know, from watching a little bit of tape from him, I didn't think he was that impressive. Um, but basically, the Cardinals' biggest weakness is the pass rusher. They traded for Chandler Jones, which was a really good move. I think adding Lawson could turn their defense into an even more dominant unit. Um, he's stout and thick. He uses intelligence to beat tackles and has terrific technique when rushing the passer. I think overall, he could just be a really good complement player to Chandler Jones and Clayus Campbell because he will get basically one-on-one every single time. We go to pick 30, which will be the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I have them taking a, a, a little-known go- little guy from a smaller school, Miles Calibrew, the safety out of southern Utah. Um, Roman Harper's gone. He's a fridge, and he hasn't been signed by anyone yet. They need to replace that because he's super important to the defense. Calibrew is an outstanding in-the-box safety. He's an explosive tackler. He has excellent speed and aggressiveness. He didn't cover a lot in his college scheme. He was more of a nickel, more of a linebacker, really, the role he played, which uh, which suits Carolina. Um, but he certainly can cover tight ends and, and some slot receivers. I think at this point, a really good pick for them. Very good. The final pick of the draft will be the Denver Broncos because the New England Patriots don't have a first-round pick because they got taken off them because of Deflategate. So, James, the 31st pick in the draft, who have you got the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos taking? Look, this is my favourite pick. It's Connor Cook, the quarterback out of Michigan State. He is the perfect guy for Gary Kubiak's system. He's very comfortable throwing on the run to both sides of his body. He can operate under center and in the gun and in the pistol. The Broncos currently don't have a quarterback on their roster. They need one desperately. They retain CJ Anderson, and with the dominant defense, they need a run and hopefully a running game. All they need is a guy that can come in and, and deliver the ball to their outstanding wide receivers. I think he can be that, be a bit of a game manager his first season, maybe two seasons, and probably develop into what I see ceiling being an Andy Dalton sort of player. 
I really like that. Denver obviously need a new QB. They're flirting with Kaepernick. They signed Sanchez. I think someone like a Connor Cook, I completely agree with you. I think his style, he was, um, what, a three-year starter at Michigan State. Um, you know, I think he, he could fit that system perfectly. I think you have it absolutely spot on. I don't know if they'll go with him that early, but... I could see him fitting in very well at Denver. I just I don't think he makes to them. He makes it to them in the second round, and it, you know, who knows if there's a run on quarterbacks, he might not make it to them there. Oh, uh, you think there could be four quarterbacks taken in the first round? Yeah, possibly. You know what teams are like when they start seeing teams go. Like you saw, even in this mock draft, all of a sudden a couple of receivers go, and me doing the mock draft started kind of getting scared and just taking receivers because I didn't want teams to miss out on what they needed. So it, yeah. it, it could happen. Yeah, it's very true. It does happen that way. It, it, it's a bit strange. It can certainly go. Um, look, and look, as as we get further and we get closer to the draft, only a few weeks away now, um, we'll certainly start diving into some teams' needs um, before we get to the draft in Chicago later in the month. Yeah, and Richie, the last thing I'll ask you, I want you to tell me your number one player and a guy that you don't really like out of this first round? Which, which, which is your favourite and which is your least favourite? My favourite player yeah. is Jalen Ramsey. Yep. I, I, I yeah, he thinks that as well. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, he, he, as you said, he rates himself as well. He thinks he's the best player in the draft. They all um, do. I think I really think he could be anything. And I'll say in the top half, I could go down your bottom half and find a couple down there I'm not as high on. But I'm not high on Joey Bosa. I don't know why. I don't really have a good reason for it. I just don't have a great feel for him. Um, he played in a very good team who most of the time, most of those players on that Ohio State defense were better than the guys that were opposite, which helped him to shine. Um, I'm concerned about his pass rush abilities. For some reason, I feel he's a bit undersized. I know he's not, but... Um, he plays undersized. He plays small. Yeah, when you look at him on tape and you see him going against... Um, uh, left tackles, he he does. He looks he looks small. Um, but you look at his measurables, and, and he's not. So it's a strange one for me. He'll go top five, Joe Bosa for sure. But I wouldn't feel great about picking him. No, not. And it's it's funny. Me and you must think alike, Richie, because I'm the exact same on him. I think we've discussed this. He something about him scares me. And if the Cowboys take him, I'll be really really stressed about it. My favorite player in the draft. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is up there, but it, it's Miles Jack. I think his versatility is just, it's a scary thing to have a guy that can play so many different positions. Um, I think him and probably Ezekiel Elliott are my two top players in the draft. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in, in a few weeks' time what, what happens with it all. And if anyone wants to read the second half of your mock draft as well, we will have that on the SEN.com.au website, the SEN America website. So make sure to click on the SEN America link on the top of the homepage or go to our Twitter and our Facebook. We'll be putting it out on both those social media platforms as well if you want to see the second half. We posted the first half of your first round mock draft last week. So if you wanted to see that, you can listen to the podcast and you can check out that article. All the stuff will be on SEN.com.au. So make sure you head there. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for jumping in without being asked. You're welcome. Yeah, I like that, Chris. At least you had it all handy. I certainly didn't. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's a good dude. I normally flick uh, Richie a bit of a note uh, at this stage of the day just to remind him, but because he's not next to me, I thought I'd have to take it into my own hands and do it, just like that. Well, to well, next week I'll be back in the studio. Thanks for downloading the SEN NFL podcast. You can follow James on Twitter at Jartha6594. 
You can follow me at Richard03. Until next week, for James Arthur, for our producer, Chris Tyler, for our special guest, Tom Hackett, I'm Richard Garraway. Thanks for listening. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.